when you start your business, you have no idea what's going to be behind door number one, two, and three, like things that I never dreamed of, um, you know, would happen or I'd get invites to do this or, uh, you know, opportunities to do that. Uh, even our business model just keeps expanding, expanding because we keep coming across other problems. But I would never have known about those problems if I had never started at square Ooh, one. I gotta go. Hey. I've been working, told them, please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Hey. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog. Swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this day. Now my family can eat. Hey, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cup of Nurses show here with your hosts, Peter and Matt, two nurses on a mission to change this world one conversation at a time. So let's jump right into it. If you find value on this show, I want to join us on this mission. It would mean absolutely everything to us if you rate and share the show. Cupofnurses.com for the latest info, merch releases, and updates, as long as with show notes. And for our lifestyle podcast, you can check out wearefrontlinewarriors.com. In this episode, we would like to introduce you to Katie Harris, a nursepreneur mentor who has empowered thousands of nurses in business to monetize their knowledge and skills while inspiring them to change the way healthcare is perceived and delivered. She strives to undo the perception that nursing care is limited to the hospital setting. Through her intensive nurse business coaching program, Katie shows nurses around the world how their hard-earned knowledge and skills can transcend the hospital system into a profitable business. Hey, Katie, welcome back to the show. Can you give us a brief background about yourself and how you got to the point where you are today? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Katie Harris and I'm owner and CEO of Nursepreneurs and uh, how I got here. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's a big question. Um, but yeah, so I've been a nurse for 20, 25 years now. And, uh, you know, it was really just kind of felt like I hit a ceiling in the hospital, wanted to do more, have an impact and, and really go out there and see what I could do. And that just wasn't, it didn't feel possible in the hospital system. Um, you know, I certainly hit a lot of ceilings, um, went, kept going back for degree after degree after degree. I've got like five of them and, uh, no, none of them really gave me what I want. And I, honestly, ironically in nursing, it seems like. The more degrees you get, the less you get paid. So it's, it's like downhill <laughs> um, journey I was going on. And uh, then one one time, I just, you know, I used to go to the hospital and just be really, really irritable. And this one time, I got into a fight with my attending, and I uh, got sent home. Was um, sent home on probation without, uh, you know, like leave without pay, and uh, just had three days to kind of sit around and think about what I was doing with my life and it, it wasn't going in the direction that I wanted it to. So I, I knew I needed to make a change and uh, was looking around for other things to do. Met some amazing nurses uh, in my time working with Walmart because I uh, worked uh, for their corporate headquarters and, uh, you know, just decided that I wanted to do something unique and special as well. And I would not be able to accomplish it on the path that I was on. Mm. And, and I love that you mentioned impact. I think that's very valuable because the highest good you can give is to give to others. 
So how has your nurse or your impact changed from nursing to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely a, a different concept. I mean, in the hospital, I worked neurosurgery and neurocritical care. So, I mean, the impact was one-on-one or one-on-two. Um, you know, I really felt like it was just putting out fires a lot of the time, whereas now um, we are able to help like hundreds and, you know, even thousands of people at one time. And not only do we help nurses start their businesses, but then those nurse businesses go and make an impact. So it's kind of this, it feels like a, a ripple effect, if you will. Is there any like nursing char- characteristics or traits that you took out of healthcare and brought it into your into your business because lots of times nurses think that they become a nurse and this is kind of where they are going to for the rest of their life it doesn't translate anywhere else besides besides bedside so how did you take like your nursing skills and incorporate it to your business that you run now yeah i mean i always think of nurses as uh, i mean we're most trained as entrepreneurs right because we are taught therapeutic listening which is marketing 101 like listen to your audience what are they saying what are their pain points uh and then come up with a solution those are your packages and uh you know how do you start up a business with no money i mean that's basically running a unit right you have no resources and no money and nobody's listening to you so uh, how do you get things done how do you do work around so i feel like we've been groomed for that uh in a roundabout bizarre way <laughs> what were some pain points that you faced as a beginning entrepreneur i know peter and i are actually on this journey where it's the first two to three years plus where you're starting your business you're still you have one foot into the door. Some people, it could be the hospital, right? Where you're working full time and then you're trying to fund your passion project. What were those pain points and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I mean, the, the funding piece wasn't as much of a pain point as it was just kind of hiding behind it. Cause I mean, nurses actually make a decent salary and most of us have three or four jobs. So it's it's never really been, you know, the money, the hardship, because I could always go work uh, a couple extra shifts here or there and and fund whatever I wanted or buy whatever course I wanted. Um, But at the same time, it really paralyzed the movement because I was comfortable and getting that weekly or biweekly paycheck is like crack, you know, it's like, it's hard to give up and it's hard to walk away from. And if I don't do overtime, then I won't have money. Uh, and then I'll be forced to work on the business. And, you know, there's always that feeling of being an imposter or like, who am I to do this? Like, nobody gave me permission to do this. Nobody said I could do this. And why would anybody listen to me? So you go through all those feelings and emotions. Um, and it's easy to hide behind a decent paying job. Yeah. And that's like the kind of beauty of it, that if you do have a passion outside of, of bedside or outside of nursing, you can easily fund that. Like you said, you have a really, really good income. You could almost fund any kind of project or or desire you want as, as a nurse. So is this, so I know you said that you were almost burnt out and you just weren't satisfied at, at work. So did that, did you have that passion coming out of school or did this passion develop over time? Yeah, I've, I've always had it. It's always that passion to do something more and kind of push the envelope. And, you know, even as a, a nurse practitioner, um, you know, the, the nurse practitioner role that I stepped into with neurosurgery was just to discharge patients. So that was the role. And that was fine. And the other nurse practitioners liked it, but I wasn't happy with it. I wanted to help out the residents and I wanted to be in the ICU because I was an ICU nurse. And I wanted to learn how to do the, the lines and the ventrics. And then I wanted to be in the OR and just kept pushing, pushing, pushing 
so you know, I really pioneered that role in my hospital system uh, for years, just because I wanted more and more and more. And that's where the frustration came because I got to a point where I was so good at what I did, and yet I still had to report in and out to the intern, and it it really started to piss me off because I, you know, it's almost like you get to a level where, and I don't mean to, you know, toot my own horn here, but you get to a point where you're really good, you're better than the PGY one, two, and three, maybe even four, and yet you still have to like, you know, talk to the med student and the intern, and it's frustrating. So you never really get anywhere. So no matter how many degrees I have, no matter how much experience, how much I know, I'm only ever good enough to speak to the lowest man on the totem pole in the medical hierarchy, because um, they're always above, and it just was really, really frustrating. Yeah, this is very true because in a hospital setting, nurses they're the biggest cost and you you don't really bring in any kind of revenue for the hospital physicians bring in bring in revenue different units bring in revenue but as nurses you're you're the biggest i guess profit deterrent for the hospital so they always try to spend as least as they can on nurses because that's where the biggest cut of the budget is going so you're almost always on on this, on this bottom totem pole it's very frustrating <laughs> and, and it sucks but that that's the that's the reality of it you know it's very unfortunate but that's kind of how, how healthcare works, how, how business works. If you want to profit a hospital, just like any business, you're going to cut costs at some point, right? And unfortunately, the, cut, cut, the cost cutting starts with the nurses because that's like your least yeah. profitable thing. Right. But yeah. ironically, the only reason to come into a hospital is for nursing care. Right. Know? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. So it's all messed up. Mm -hmm. That's why we're going to change it. <laughs> yeah. And I know throughout this interview, we're talking about passion. And passion is a word that gets thrown out a lot in tech, you know, in our 21st century here. And a lot of people say, go find your passion, go find your passion. You're not going to feel like you're working a day in your life. So as a nurse that's listening, that maybe haven't fully discovered their passion, they know that their passion or something they cared about was just helping other people. How do you dig deeper in your nursing career and discover that passion purpose that we're talking about? Yeah, you know, I, I've had this conversation with uh, some of my residents in the past where, you know, we were, uh, again, tooting our own horn or whatever, and uh, saying, you know, we were really good at what we were doing, but if we were in a different profession, we'd be really good at that too, right? And it's it's a, I think it's a personality trait that you want to do your best. And I think you find passion, like, I mean, I feel like if I were in, I don't know, um, aerospace science, right? I would find a passion in aerospace science, just like I can in nursing. It's not so much the job or the work, it's finding problems and solving them and you know, just being really good at that. So I, I think you can find your passion in anything. It doesn't matter what field you're in. It's let's take a look at what's going on. What kind of problems can we solve? And what problems do you like solving? And what part of that problem do you like solving? So I think that's part of the passion component. And do you feel like your passion has changed over the years? So I know there's many layers to this. You are a nurse, you're a nurse entrepreneur, you're doing different things in different seasons of life. Does that one sole purpose that you had originally change? Or does it still kind of remain the same as like the origin of what you wanted to do? but you have just different identities and roles as you're following your passion. Yeah, I mean, everything has definitely evolved for me, but my real passion is kind of um, pursuing challenges, right? Like I just, 
my passion is what's next and I, I can't stop. And it, it's kind of a problem for my team because, you know, I'm, I, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. And and then they start doing that. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this. And, you know, so that's, that's a, a challenge for me is to control that. But at the same time, that's what I'm really, really good at is coming up with ideas, solving problems and looking for where can I push the envelope? Where can I push some buttons here and rile everybody up? Um, and that's that's what I like to do. <laughs> and it's hard to say, like, how do you put that into a business model? But, you know, we, we certainly have found a way. Yeah. So through your program, uh, how does how does it exactly work? How do you how do you get how do you bring that success to that, to that nurse? Does it start with like a sit down and you just chat around what what they like, what their passion is, and you present to them like with this uh, plan of action? How do you how do you approach that situation? Yeah, I mean, uh, we we one of the ways that uh, I've been able to make this successful is one just by listening to what the nurses want. Because when I first came out, it was just kind of like, oh, this is what you need. You got to do this and this and this, and it's just kind of that very perspective. Uh, I can't say um, prescriptive. That's the word I'm looking for. Sorry. A way of, of doing things, and it's very, it's a very medical model too, right? Like you, you're too fat, you're too this, you're too that. You need to go on a diet, whatever. Um, and nobody wants to hear that. So I created a Facebook group, and in that Facebook group, I just uh, would probe with questions, ask, and see what people reacted to. I mean, I had people coming in and they're like, oh, triple your nursing income and sell Rodan and Fields and stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh my God, this is so ridiculous. But uh, I can't tell you like how many nurses jumped onto that thread and they're like, oh, tell me more, tell me more. And they were so like juiced up about it. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? So trying to look to see what it is that they want. And it's not that they want to sell Rodan and Fields. It was they wanted to... Uh, do something other than what they were doing, that there was a deeper message that I needed to get to. Um, so those those are the things that, you know, we really look for is just to listen to what they're saying and then, you know, how can we help them achieve what they want to do? So it starts, it starts with listening. Um, sure, for, I mean, for our courses, there's no sit down, but they, they work with a group in a, a group coach. Um, but in our kind of higher end programs, yeah, we, we have one-on-ones with them uh, and talk them through what it is that they need to do next. This episode is sponsored by Liquid IV. When you think of hydration, what do you think about? How often have you worked out, did an intense activity, drank enough water, but still felt dehydrated? If so, you're missing electrolytes. Whether it's off the clock or working our shifts, we always stay hydrated with Liquid IV. Liquid IVs cellular transport technology delivers hydration to the bloodstream faster and more efficiently than water alone. One stick contains electrolytes such as magnesium, potassium, and sodium with five essential vitamins. As nurses, we know hydration is vital. That's why we are giving you a discount with code CONPOD for any liquid IV product. That is code CONPOD, C-O-N-P-O-D. Stay hydrated, friends, and drink responsibly. One of the hardest parts about starting your own business and a whole startup process, especially for healthcare professionals and nurses, is how do you how do you deal with not being profitable in the beginning? Because as nurses, you graduate school and you're making a really good amount. You know, you graduate in your early twenties and you're getting paid very well, like like you mentioned. So how do you stay motivated? And how do you get over that that hump? How do you like keep going? How do you stay motivated? Because 
some people put in hours and hours and hours a week in their business and they're not making any money until like three, four years, years in. But then during that whole process, they're like, well, I could have been, been working as a nurse. I could have already been, been making money. So how do you deal with, uh, with, uh, with the feelings of not being profitable right off the bat and not going back to bedside and kind of ditching your dreams? Yeah, I mean, this is where I always kind of think about, um, you know, the difference between entrepreneurialism and, and wealth building, right? Because we get a lot of nurses that just want to make money. I'm like, well, if you just want to make money, there's way easier ways to do this. Uh, you know, I, I do believe in investing in yourself and your ideas and stuff, but also setting expectations like this is going to take uh, some time and effort. And we all know statistically uh, most people will give up or, you know, just not even bother to pursue something uh, in business realm because I guess it's the universe throws obstacles at you and either you're committed to see it through or you just, it's easier to go do a, an overtime shift and, and get more money that way. So if you're looking to build wealth, I mean, you can invest in the stock market and real estate and crypto and, and whatever else you can think of. There's there's lots of other angles out there, but entrepreneurialism to me is like really pursuing that passion of what you want to do and that you want to see it through. I mean, I easily threw away enough money, you know, getting started. I probably could have bought a, a nice beachside condo in Mexico yeah. in my business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like to tell people that when you start a business, think about the first couple of years as like your school. When, when you became a nurse, it took you four years of school. It took you tens of thousands of dollars. So that's how you should approach a business that in the first couple of years you're learning, it's going to take a lot of money to, to figure out what you're going to do, how you're going to do it and how you become good at it. So you're literally investing in yourself, but instead of going into school, you're learning through like hands-on experience. That's the way I like to tell people how to, how to like go about like the first couple of years, because you have to learn. You don't just start a business and bang, you're making money on week number two. It's not how it works. You have to learn. You have to learn something. You have to learn how to, how to do this process, especially going from bedside and nursing to something like maybe sales or, or something that's not as you can say personable, maybe something like marketing. It's, it's, a, it's a completely different endeavor. So it's yeah. just like your first couple of years is like you going through school. You're just you're learning the basics, learning the ropes. Right. And it's kind of like that thing. It's almost like the same in business and real estate. My brother was talking about, he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to cut out the agent, the selling agent. So I don't have to pay that commission. And, you know, I'll just do it myself. Like that completely dismisses the fact that that real estate agent knows a lot of things that you don't. And it's the same in business, you know, like, you know, to just to come in and say, oh, I'm just going to start a business. Like it, it's nothing and have no foundation, no coach, no like anything and just start a business. Well, can it be done? Sure. It can be done, but it's a really hard road to go down and it's going to take a lot longer. What are some awesome businesses that you've seen entrepreneurs start? Um, I have seen quite a few different businesses. So I've seen um, people create things, right? So there's um, this one guy, uh, Ernesto, created a hook or CPAP. Uh, machine to uh, to control the tubing because it, it gets all over the place. Uh, I've seen uh, baby wraps created, um, health coaching businesses. The nurse coaching is is huge. Uh, the IV hydration businesses that has exploded. Concierge nursing has uh, been very popular as well. I'm actually 
when I go down to Florida, I'm actually meeting up with some concierge nurses down there and they take care of people after surgery. Uh, the chronic care management um, outsourcing, that's an independent consultant. Um, that's been an interesting type of business that the nurses have started and uh, staffing agency is another one that, that we do. Uh, then some kind of quirkier ones. Uh, there was one nurse who was doing placenta encapsulation. So after you know, the baby's born, she goes, gets the placenta, and then turns them into pills for the mom to take, which was, uh, I mean, uh, all this stuff is, is fascinating. Death doulas, birth doulas, um, you know, I just <laughs> think about some more, but there have been some great ones, med spas for sure. I'm trying to think of what comes first, passion or purpose, as you're talking about all these things. But I think purpose has to start first before you find your passion. Hmm. Or does the passion come first? Because without a passion, do you have a purpose? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Chicken or the egg, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Katie, what do you think uh, is the, the origin for nurses as far as their purpose? Why do you think they get into healthcare? Um, yeah, I mean, we all have our unique reason for getting into healthcare, but the, the nurses that I've seen that come into business, uh, they're really trying to make a difference. They're really trying to make a change and they would love nothing more in a lot of these cases, just to be seen and heard and have their ideas taken seriously. And, and that's just not happening. Um, so that's why they're they're coming outside of the hospital system and trying to fix it. Uh, that's why they come to us. That's why they go to some of these innovation labs and, and other coaches that are out there just looking for like, how can I take this idea and make something of it? Because the other problem too is having your idea taken or stolen or absorbed by your unit. And they're like, you know, thank you very much. Um, and I've certainly had that experience uh, myself. One of my first businesses I wanted to um, set up in the hospital and the chairman heard the idea and he was like, yeah, that sounds great. We're gonna do that ourselves. So we don't need you to do it. And I was like, well, <laughs> lesson learned. <laughs> you know? so. so how important is the team that you build or surround yourself with? Because starting a business by yourself is definitely doable. It's really, really hard, but if you could, find somebody to build it with and and capitalize on both of your skills or, or the group skills that makes it a little bit a little bit easier to to uh, work with so how do you find a, a good team I, you know i think that really goes back to knowing your why and having your purpose and you know this is stuff i've kind of glossed over in the beginning like it wasn't important uh, but and maybe as a solopreneur it you know wasn't as necessary for me to articulate it but once you do your first hire, um, you know, if they don't believe the things that you believe and they don't want the things that you want, it just doesn't make for a great relationship. And it's something that we've gone back now to great expense is to pull the team up into the vision and the mission and the why of why we're doing this. Uh, and we've had to get, we've had to remove some people that just, you know, they were great people, but not the right fit. And if you don't surround your people, yourself with people that are dedicated to what you're dedicated in, um, it just makes it more difficult. Mm -hmm. And I know leadership is one of the most valuable things you could have in a business, because just like you guys are mentioning as a solopreneur, you can't scale, you can only get so far, you have only two hands and eventually, whatever you're learning, you have to learn to delegate. That's the beauty of scaling a business. 
So in your journey, what have you realized are your success points as far as a leader that got you to where you are today? Uh, you know, I, especially when, you know, mentioning uh, being a leader, it was something that I didn't realize starting the business is that I was stepping into a leadership role. And I always take things back and, you know, uh, think about the hospital uh, in the hospital system. A leader is typically appointed, right? Like, you know, you're a good nurse. Uh, now we're going to make you nurse manager and, you know, the, so be it. Like you do what you do. Uh, you have limited resources. You can't really make any changes. We want you to make everything happy and do it within budget. Uh, and to me, it's, it, I mean, it's certainly a leadership role, but it's not, it's a different leadership role than like business because in business, um, you step up to the plate, you say, I have a, I, you know, I see this problem and whether you like it or not, I'm going to take an attempt to solve it um, and make a difference. And it doesn't always make everybody happy, right? Like not everybody's happy to see you join the conversation. Not everybody's happy to have you in the arena trying to solve this problem. So I think like that for me was, was a big lesson was, I'm stepping into a leadership role. I need to respect what I'm doing. Um, and it is a big step. And um, when you stand up and say, I have the solution to this problem and people start listening to you, it, it's kind of scary. <laughs> so it's another thing you have to get used to. Yeah, I'm sure you had a sense of like imposter syndrome almost because as nurses, we don't really initiate any anything. We have to get everything approved by a doctor. We don't really make any kind of decision ourselves. And stepping into a role of, now people come to you and ask for advice. Hey, Katie, what do we do with this? How do we fix this problem? That's like, that's it's something that where nurses never really been in. Because when you don't know what to do as a nurse, you call a doctor. And now it's like, there's nobody to call. It's a, just just you. So how did you get past that imposter, imposter syndrome? Uh, yeah, I think you just have to do it. <laughs> you know, and we see it with our IV hydration nurses too, because they'll say, uh, you know, is the medical director going to tell me what to do? And I'm like, no, it's your business. You need to tell the medical director what uh, he or she needs to be doing. So it, it is. Uh, and even when I first got started, one of my biggest hangups was, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to do it. Right. I wasn't sure I was allowed to start a business. I didn't know if I had the right permissions to do the business. And I, you know, finally, one of my coaches is like, this is ridiculous. He's like, if you need permission, I'm giving you permission go be successful. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it was just a weird thing. So, I mean, obviously it was completely arbitrary and unnecessary for him to give me permission to be successful, but uh, I needed it. Yeah. Being in, um, in your business for quite a bit of time, what do you, what is something you still struggle with? What do you still find hard to do? Uh, that, I mean, for me right now, it, it's team training, uh, and keeping everything on track and keeping things moving. And, you know, why doesn't the team like read my mind, like, uh, and the communication piece that's, it's been, it's been a lot. And I, I can see it now because I used to work outpatient and the outpatient used to drive me nuts because nobody talked to, nobody was in charge of the flow. Right. And that's the problem I've run into in my business. Like nobody's in charge of the flow. So, you know, I just brought in like a project manager to help us organize that kind of stuff. So the team training has been, and operations has been a huge learning curve for me. Um, that That's my biggest struggle right now. Yeah, it seems like that's where we're at too right now. <laughs> the flow. I love how you said the flow because that's what happens where you have people in your team 
and you think that you communicate, there's a process in place, this is how we're going to do things, things don't get done, deadlines get missed, and then you have to go back to the flow. What can we what can we fix in this flow in this in this standard operation procedure for it to not create the same error? And it's always this troubleshooting. And it's cool because that's our strength as a nurse. We have this critical thinking, troubleshooting ability, especially in the ICU, right? What's going on? How can we fix this problem? And you're just thinking about A, B, C, D, troubleshooting the lines, doing that, rechecking the blood pressure. Okay. And the same applies to entrepreneurship with, with what was happening here with uh, project management is trying to figure out what are the errors? How can my team be more efficient? How can we prevent these errors? And how can we communicate better? Because that's what it stems down to at the end of the day is communication. Yeah. So Katie, yes. what are some big mindset shifts that you've realized as a entrepreneur? Um, I guess the mind sh- mind, uh, mindset shifts would be one, um, I am the leader of my business uh, and, you know, the, the leader in the field that I stepped into uh, and two, that uh, it's like, I want to be heard and seen and um, I mean, even appreciate it, right? Like who doesn't want to be appreciated, but um, that has been a tough mindset shift as well, because when I first got started, I, you know, I had these, um, I had these scripts like, oh, nurses don't do that. I can't put my picture on my website because nurses don't do that. Um, and I remember saying that my coach is like, well, that's, you know, are nurses people, are they, you know, are they human? Uh, or nurses don't sell, nurses don't do this. And I just had all these uh, things that I don't even know where they came from. Uh, yeah, beliefs. And I had to work through those. And I mean, they were hard, but like step by step, it was just kind of, working through one thing and, and and a lot of it wasn't even nursing. It was uh, stuff from childhood, you know, like um, starting my Facebook group. I didn't want to start the Facebook group because when I really thought about it, when I really took time to dig deep into it, it still like was, uh, you know, I had, I had a birthday party when I was in seventh grade and like nobody showed up and it was devastating. Right. <laughs> Um, and my biggest fear in starting this stupid Facebook group was that nobody would show up and that's why I wasn't starting it. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that sound ridiculous when I say them out loud, but they were stopping me from getting started. Crazy how our past sometimes haunts us to, to this day for like no apparent reason. Like you look back and you're just like, why was this so hard to do? And you just realize that you had some kind of a trauma when you're younger and it just stayed with you and, and, and carried, carried it with you. Do you ever have like the a sense of like failure or anything like that? Um. Yeah. I guess I don't really see it as, as failure. At least I don't dwell on it that way. Like I've, I've certainly made a, a crap ton of mistakes. I've made very very expensive mistakes. Um. You know, I've I've handled relationships poorly in in some instances, and uh, I regret all of those. But I see them as things uh, not to ever do again, <laughs> or paths not to go back down. Yeah. So what's something that what's like your motivational factor when you when you really are in like a, a bad spot or you can't figure things out? Because sometimes what, what really motivates me is is that is that fear of failure. Like I don't want to fail. So it's like I gotta figure this out because if I fail, it's not just only me failing, it's everybody else around me failing. Everything that I've worked for that we've worked for basically is, is, is gone. So that kind of fear of failure and like disappointing people around me, 
lights a fire under my ass and allows me to figure things out. So how do you how do you get out of like a runt or or how do you get yourself to just keep pushing forward? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess a, a lot of it, um, it, it's not fear of failure that motivates me. Um, it's more just kind of, like I said, what, what's next that motivates me? Like, what can I keep doing? Um, and I, I'm not ever really concerned about failing though. At, there have been many times that I've woken up in the middle of the night, scared to death that I can't, uh, uh pay everybody one, you know, payday. Uh, and what's that going to look like? Where's the money going to come from? Um, you know, how's this going to get done? So that kind of, I do feel that responsibility. Uh, so I, you know, try to be cautious about hiring people unless we desperately need somebody. But, uh, you know, there is that sense of responsibility that I didn't have as a solopreneur. Like, as a solopreneur, if money didn't come in, oh, well, you know, I still got my paycheck from um, from the hospital from working there. So. As an entrepreneur, I feel like it's salary where you could work as little as you want and as much as you want. One of our struggles is creating that work-life balance because we just always want to grind. There's a little term that we yeah. use, ABG, always be grinding, right? So um, we, we need rest. It's important. It's, it helps our creative side, the left brain, and it helps us kind of reset. How have you created your work-life balance in your life? Yeah, no, I definitely agree because I'm a I'm a single mom. My son's ten, and uh, you know, for the past couple of years, like I was like from six a.m. till nine o'clock at night, and then go to bed, and it was constantly on the computer and stuff. And at some point, I'm just like, I I just can't keep doing this. There can't. I, there's always going to be deadlines. There's always going to be something to do. Uh, my day has to end, um, and typically now my my day ends at five o'clock and. 90% of the time I won't take calls after five o'clock at night. Um, and that's one way. The second way I travel, like I've always traveled. Actually, that was one of the best things about my nursing career because I did agency for a long time and I would work for three months and then take off for three months and I don't know, spend three months in France or six months in Australia or wherever. Um, and, you know, I still do that to, the, to this day. Uh, I spend a lot of time traveling and that's the one um, thing that my staff hates is when I go on vacation and then I come back because like you said that once you're off then it's like you get all these ideas start flowing in <laughs> and I'll come back with like 500 ideas and they're like oh god <laughs> but you always have to revise the flow right yeah <laughs> Yeah, but it is a big thing to work on because when people say, oh, what do you like to do? I'm like, I like to work. That's what yeah, I like to yeah. do. And kind of bringing it back, I love how you mentioned your little party story because that's so powerful where you are literally your own worst enemy. Any desire that you have, any passion that you want to pursue for anybody listening, more than likely, it's a story that you're telling yourself, a narrative, which is stopping you from literally doing the thing. It's not that it's difficult or you won't have the funding or it won't be successful. It's just you telling yourself it's not going to work out and all that. So just a little reprogram and mindset shift. There's just uh, create abundance and gratitude in your life and just keep moving forward. Just you'll figure things out as they come. And that's another thing that's a great tip for entrepreneurs or they're starting off. A lot of people want this perfect plan, a step-by-step -step checklist. This is how it's going to go down, step-by-step -step business plan. It doesn't usually go according to whatever you put on that note. Just dive into it, have a couple of ideas, a couple of objectives you want to hit, and then reevaluate in a month, two months, three months, and, and do that. 
you learn so much being in the actual action, the flow state of working on things versus not starting the project and having that checklist of how should I do this and figure it out. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge believer in, in the universe and things come to you when you're, you know, when you're ready for it. And uh, when you start your business, you have no idea what's going to be behind door number one, two and three, like things that I never dreamed of, um, you know, would happen or I'd get invites to do this or, uh, you know, opportunities to do that. Uh, even our business model just keeps expanding, expanding because we keep coming across other problems. But I would never have known about those problems if I had never started at square one. Uh, you know, it's just they've evolved and it it changes, and you just have to. I absolutely agree on the the gratitude and having a space uh, for yourself to allow ideas to come to you, and really just believing in your intuition, your gut, and and that that if you have that unshakable self belief that you can do it, uh, there's really nothing to stop you from doing it. And Katie, how do you stay organized? Because you could get away with, in the beginning, not being too organized. But once you get deeper and deeper, organization becomes a really important thing because you start to slowly lose your mind. So how do you stay on top of things? How do you stay organized? <laughs> um, I like list. I, I must have, like, and I don't know that it's terribly organized because I have like 14 lists and I need a list for my list. But um, yeah, my, my phone keeps me organized. It tells me when to show up places. Um, and it also helps. Uh, I mean, the project manager has been amazing because, um, you know, obviously that comes out of, of profit to pay them, but it's worth my sanity to have somebody else organize um, everything and just keep that for me, but m most of the time it's really about my phone and my list. Um, and just knowing what is actually gonna move the needle in the building, uh, in the, the business. Like I could spend my whole day on Instagram, but that's not where we make money. Um, so it's, you know, prioritizing what's important and letting go of things that maybe, you know, aren't. Like for us, TikTok is another area. I could spend all day on TikTok and we could probably do well on TikTok, but we're doing well in other places and I just don't want to veer the focus off of it. Mm -hmm. So it's so in a sense like you're you're not doing everything. You're just trying you're just kind of targeting certain platforms and certain things that you see are are bringing you income. You're not trying to spread yourself too thin in a sense. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I've done that. I've, I've spread myself really thin and uh, you just, you can do everything, but you can't do everything well by yourself mm -hmm. anyway. Um, so you've got to pick and choose. Okay. Yeah. Our problem, you yeah. know, good, good piece of advice for, for us here. Yeah. <laughs> you, use any kind of like apps for communication, like Slack or Asana, or you just email and text message? Uh, God, I can't stand email. Like I get <laughs> so many emails that I have like seven different Google accounts. I get emails from everywhere, but uh, Slack and Asana, I do like Slack a lot. I don't, I don't like to be in Asana as much, but that's where they do all the project management. Uh, but I do like Slack, it's it's nice. Okay. And then through your, through your business, do you just provide like the uh, the coaching and like the information or do you add, or do you also invest in these, in these like nursepreneurs or companies? Uh, it, it's something that we've been thinking about uh and you know i haven't quite found the best way to do it but the investing in the businesses uh seems like a huge opportunity uh well one way to get the nurses set up uh but you know all of a sudden you see the risk because let's say uh out of a hundred people that 
take a course, maybe 25 of them go on to, you know, build a business. So do I invest in all hundred businesses and hope that those 25 do well, do not. And I mean, that's really how venture capitalism works, but I don't have that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> An awesome idea for the future. Mm -hmm. One last, yeah. one last question we'd like to ask all of our guests. So if you had the opportunity to have a cup of, cup of coffee, one last time with anybody dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. Um, a cup of coffee. Um, hmm. I don't know. You guys are stumping me. Um, I, I'd love to, I, you know, and this might be controversial, but, you know, I'd, I'd actually like to sit down and talk to Elon Musk um, and pick his brain. Uh, he, like him or not like him, he is a, a visionary and uh, he seems to be quite interesting and he says what he's thinking which is also <laughs> can be dangerous especially nowadays but uh you know it, it's also refreshing because i like um i like to know where people stand and if they don't say what they think then you can't really know who they are so you know i like that aspect of him um but um yeah find out some of his uh thoughts and business i love all this stuff in like neuroscience and you know and the guys uh, he's and he's incredible in terms of like ideas anyway there's not too many people like that out there so yeah 100%. and katie where can people find you uh you can find us at uh, nursepreneurs.com and at nursepreneurs and all the social media handles so well, that's okay thanks so much for your time really appreciate you being here thank you guys thank you